Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm reading from Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. We're going to land there. That's the thesis for today. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Watch this. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Hey, on this first installment, this first part of our Live Greater series, I'm hoping that you're taking notes, but I want to speak to you from this idea, the promise of salvation. Promise of of salvation would you pray with me father I love you I thank you Lord that we get to be a part of your kingdom and father there are promises in scripture that you have taught us that they're all through scripture and I pray today Lord God as we learn as we dive into them Lord I pray that you would teach us show us help us instruct us let us walk out of here Lord God with a little bit more purpose with a little bit more excitement with a little bit more calling Lord lot of Holy Spirit that we may accomplish everything that you've called us to do. The times are short, Lord, and I know that you are returning. And may you find, Lord God, your church working alive and active, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you make some noise for Jesus and put your hands together all over this place? Amen. 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 Hey, I'm, um, I know I got the baby face and, um, you know, I, I come from a, a different type of generation. Um, we saw things in a, in a different way. This generation that's now, I love them. They're amazing. They're technologically sound. A three-year-old can teach you how to use your iPhone. But I've, I've learned that this generation is spoiled out of I don't know what. We were walking into my friend to Jason's house the other day and my son was bringing in a monitor so that he can go and he can play video games at their house. So he brought the little PlayStation and then he's walking in with a monitor and we're laughing at him because we're like, yo, how spoiled are these kids? Like I remember when I grew up, we had one TV and that mug wasn't but like as big as this table right here and it had two knobs. The top one, you had to put it on a U. Some of y'all remember. And then the other one, you... You feel me? That's, that's where... And children, you know, at that time, it would, that's slaves. They were little, there was a slavery because it was like, hey, go turn on the TV. And there wasn't no, like, remote control. There was none of that. That got introduced later. I, thank God I'm not 100 years old. I was there when it was color TV. I'm not insulting you. I know some of y'all were like, Chino, I remember we ain't had no TV. We had the radio. And that's how we listen to baseball. I get it. But me... Yo, I remember we had that. And then we were introduced. My daughter asked me the other day, we got a radio. And my daughter's like, Dad, don't judge her. She's learning. She, I haven't even told Lydia, my wife, this. My daughter turns to me. I have a Bluetooth radio. And she says, Dad, does that thing play CBDs? I said, no, man. I said, no, it doesn't play CBDs. CDs. No, it doesn't. It doesn't play the CDs. I think, I think growing up, and for some of us, there's a certain amount of strength. You built different when you grew up without having all the amenities that everybody has now. Like, I think even with the fact that you didn't have to go to 14 different preachers on YouTube and the Google to be able to search a topic, but you actually opened up the Bible and you began to dig into the scriptures to really receive what it is that God said. Now you have 14 varied discussions on what that topic is about, but I remember that it just builds something different in you when you don't have it all together. Uh, 
I, I may or may not be in possession of this van um, now, recently. Um, but the other day, I, I got in a van, and the van, the headlights weren't working. And it was nighttime, but I had to go home. So some of you would have probably called an Uber. Y'all, my son didn't know the taxis were a real thing. Some of y'all call an Uber or call somebody to pick you up. Hey, can you pick me up? The lights aren't working on the car. When you, when you were born po and you couldn't afford the O and the R, when you were po, you made it happen. You put some tape on that mug and you made it happen. So what did Chino do? I'm in the van, bro, and I got the high beams on. I'm holding the high beams on and I'm driving, holding the brake like just a little bit so you can see the brake lights in the back so it looks like it's the lights. So ghetto. So ghetto. But we made it happen. We made it. I got home. I didn't get a ticket. People thought I had my lights on. I didn't. What's crazy is that that's a dysfunctional vehicle that needs some help and some repair to be able to operate the way that it was created to. Here's what I feel like Christians right now. And I'm speaking to those of you that have called on the name of Jesus. For some of us, we've called on Jesus. We love him. But just like I explained last week, we've been sitting on the tarmac for so long, feeling a couple little bounces, not understanding that God has this huge purpose, this huge way of taking off and this atmosphere that he wants you to hit. There's so much more inside of you, so much more that you can live. But we're used to just driving with the high beams on and holding the brake a little bit. And walking in this dysfunction and trying to just, this is, I'm saved. I'm blessed by the lamb. I'm going to heaven. When I die, God is going to allow for me to go into his kingdom. I'm spending all eternity with him. But there's so much more to do. There's an assignment over your life. There's a purpose for you. You can live in freedom. You no longer have to deal with the things that you've been dealing with, but that God can actually bring freedom to you and that he can use you in ways that you didn't imagine, regardless of your age, pedigree, your background, whether you're first generation Christian or you walked away because you're seventh generation Christian, that there's more inside of you. But sometimes we don't understand that part. And it's just, let's get in the van and just, let's just make it happen. I've been living in spiritual poverty for so long that I just, I got my high beams on and I got my brakes and I'm just, I'm just going to make it to my destination. There's so much more available for you. Last week, we talked about these four core promises and I just teased you and I explained to you what promises are. And according to first Peter, that these are the promises that enable you to be able to live in God's divine nature and be able to escape the world's corruptions, that we can actually have promises that are not just for you to be blessed and, oh my God, I got my promise and I'm living in my promise, but that these promises have a purpose, that they actually help you to live out a life. And we talked about four core promises. I kind of just went over them. And those four core promises were the promise of salvation, that God wants to actually have a relationship with you. Then there's the promise, and we're going to talk about that. When there's the promise of deliverance, and deliverance is not the na 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 Like, it, you, it can be, and we've been trained, and we've had those moments, and that's not an embarrassing thing that's like, oh, my God, these people. No, no, no. There is deliverance available for you by power of the Holy Spirit. We believe, and we've seen people be set free. But then there's also just, you're a Christian, and you love the Lord, but you mean as all get out, man. You, you just have things that you haven't closed the door. You have rejection issues where you're so terrified. God has told you to do this, to preach, to start something. And you're so terrified and paralyzed by fear because you were rejected so hard in your early age. And you never dealt with that. And the church doesn't tell you anything about that. You got into a marriage and you're trying to figure out the marriage. But the only thing that the church taught you was don't have sex before marriage. And then maybe you got the second core of instruction is don't go to sleep mad. And that's it. That's all you were told. But you weren't told that you have to deal with the fact that your dad walked away, they had a divorce, and that broke you, and you put up a wall. But there's deliverance for that. 
And we're going to talk about that next week. That's my whole message. I can't wait to get into that because 83%, 83 to 90% of Christians live in a space where they've called on the name of Jesus, but they haven't dealt with their yesterday. And they have pride issues. They have anger issues. Every time you get upset, you're punching a hole in the wall. You're doing things that you're way out of your character and you're a Christian, but it's because there are things inside of you that you haven't dealt with from your past. So we're going to talk about that. And then there's this beautiful one. I'm excited about that. In three weeks, I'm going to preach this one, which is the promise of purpose the promise of redemption that God actually wants to redeem you see you had dreams you had hopes and life like a good old karate movie <laughs> you think that you know they fight and it's like one guy and he knocks him out and then it's the other 10 guys and he knocks the other 10 guys out and he throws a Chinese star and he gets the other one and then you know he jumps in the air y'all remember back in the days like old Chinese movies where you used to jump all the way to the top of a tree and they used to do that wait that's not real life if 10 people jump you you're gonna die they're gonna punch you kick you you're gonna be on the bottom of the pile and they're gonna have their way with you and that's how life does us we have all these dreams but then life just I mean, you just get hit with bills and then you got a kid and then your husband's crazy and then your wife is, you know, amen. And then you just, don't talk about the wives. Don't talk about the wives. We talk about the hundred husbands out there. And, and you got all this stuff, but before you know it, you forgot that you wanted to write that book. You forgot that you wanted to start that orphanage. You forgot that you wanted to be in youth ministry and you forgot that you were helping young people who have gone through what you've gone through and you forgot that you actually wanted to take them. You forgot that the reason why you started your company, you started your job is because you had a purpose that you wanted to help people. And what happens is that you, you tend to lose your purpose. And in three weeks, I can't, I, I'm so excited because I'm going to talk to you about redemption and how God actually has a promise of redeeming and those old things that he told you, he's actually going to bring those things back and even better. Because if I take a car that I bought in 1976 and I paid $2,000 for it in 2020, the more I restore that car, and even if I put more original parts in that car, it's no longer worth $2,000. It's probably worth thirty dollars or $40,000. The value has increased because it has been redeemed or restored. I can't wait for that one and then the last one is just the promise of fulfillment all of us Maslow's hierarchy of life of living at the top of it he has all of these things you have a you need to breathe you need to have safety you want to feel that you're safe and secure whether you're a big guy like Rico or you're a young skinny dude you know what I mean like you whatever it is you have you have this you have this need to feel secure and that you're safe but then you also have a need to eat and you want to eat some of us more than others and we we want to make sure that this need is fulfilled but then there's a need inside of all of us not only to be accepted by people but also to make a difference that you go down at the middle, at, at night, before you go to sleep, there's no greater feeling than understanding, yo, I did something today that made a difference in somebody else's life. I, last Sunday, I slept like a baby because after service, we received so many cards from you guys that you rededicated your life, that you dedicated your life for the first time. And to watch salvation happen in this room, all the work that we put into it, as fast as we turned this place, as much as we did, to be able to see that there were souls that were attached to every single task and that people's lives were changed in conversation saying, I was so broken. I was thinking about committing suicide. But what you said, I'm going to give you these four weeks because I want God to be able to redeem me. I want God to show me my purpose. And then I want to go out and I want to do something for him. That's called fulfillment. How many of y'all know that as a team, we slept good that night because of your work, because you were sitting there late nights and early mornings setting this place up. Because every time that Hope and Sam were in that men's bathroom, putting a backsplash on the men's bathroom, it meant something. We did this thing together, and that's the ultimate fulfillment, that you would do something for somebody else. And on the last week, I'm going to share about that. 
Today, we're going to talk about this promise of salvation. And I think this is one of my favorites. I am a, uh, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Gen X, 1980 I was born. But I'm also a, I'm also, I know how to do the millennial stuff. Like I know how to use the computer. You know what I mean? Like I know how to do all that stuff. Like I know how to get behind a computer and be able to deal with a computer and like stuff like that, even though I have to call my wife half the time. But I also know, y'all remember the prophet MacGyver? I know how to take some paper clips. And I know how to take some duct tape and I know how to make some stuff, a parachute out of that right there. You can jump off a plane. It's just, I got it. I need, give me a paper clip and a t-shirt. We got it. Y'all remember MacGyver. So, so we know how to live in both of those. But what happens is that life gets so complicated and we know how to live in every single space that we forget that we have a life to live. And a lot of us, especially in the South, when it comes to this word called salvation, what we begin to think is that salvation was something that was given to me because I went to church when I was little. And because my grandma's grandma went to church. And you, you, you take salvation and it's relegated around the fact that you give tithes and that you show up to church and, and that you punch your card every Sunday. But that's not what salvation is. That's not what the Bible calls salvation. And I'm going to explain to you what is salvation because God actually wants to save you. Now, what does that mean, Chino? Like if I'm walking, on, I'm walking across the street, think about this. I'm walking across the street, and as I'm walking across the street, I see you, and I knock you down. I mean, I just tackle you. Boom! Hit you on the ground. And then when you're on the ground, I'm like, yo, I just saved you. What is going to be your first question? But you saved me from what? You just tackled me. What do you mean you saved me? Because that's what salvation feels like, right? God tackles you. And your entire life is flipped upside down. You no longer can smoke the way you used to. You can no longer drink the way you used to. You can't have sex with everybody the way you used to. You got tackled. But what is he saving you from? And I want to show you that. Because there's an eternal life that God is saving you from and bringing you into relationship. But if I can explain this thing to you, then I believe that you can understand what salvation looks like. We started this sermon today um, talking about these four promises that on Passover... I always thought that Passover was just a cup and a, and a drink. And they would drink, you know, the cup of wine and then they would eat the bread. But in Luke 22, you can actually see it. Um, there's four different cups that were actually given during that time. And what the Jews would do is that during Passover, they would recite these four I wills found in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And they would say, and I will bring you out and I will free you from the Egyptians and I will redeem you and I will fulfill you and bring you together as my people. And these four I wills, every single Passover, they sit down together and they talk about these and they'll pray they'll read the scripture they'll drink a cup and then they'll go to the next one and then to the next one and to the next one and I want to show you something because I truly believe that when you talk about this cup of uh, of, uh, of restoration I mean I'm sorry this cup of salvation it's all around this time of the Bible where the children of Israel have been given a promise they've been chosen but then y'all remember Joseph with the coat of many colors and then remember after that he had the coat of Potiphar and then remember that he was in jail and then he got the coat of the Pharaoh and then he was second in command and he was able to free not only his, his entire family, but also his entire nation. And then the Pharaoh of Egypt said, you guys can live in Egypt with us. And when they lived in Egypt with them, they started to prosper. And God started to bless them. Why? Because they were God's chosen people. And they started to prosper. And God started to bless them to the point that the Pharaoh said, yo, these people are going to take over our land. They're going to take over everything that we have. We need to stop them. And what ended up happening, three things. 
that God is saving you from. That I believe that that demon spirit that was inside of Pharaoh is still the same demonic spirit that hovers and that attacks people even today. I'm going to show it to you. What are we saving you from? I'm, what God saves you from, I'm going to show it to you. Because the Bible says that the first thing that they did was that he saw all these people doing good. And at that very moment, he says, what I need to do is that I need to put them into slavery. And they need to begin to break them, um, to make bricks. Some of the greatest wonders that you see in Egypt and in countries around Egypt and Africa, those were built, historically noted, by Israelites. Here it is that they're slaves building bricks. And I believe that that word slave, obviously, in the context modern that we have, it's easy to say that this is slavery between a man or a woman who has slavery over an individual, over a group of individuals. But in reality, the word slave has a little bit of a different meaning to it. That word slave is somebody who is under the dominance of somebody who is stronger or something that is stronger. And for some of us, it may not be a person that you're bound to be slave to. My wife. Did I come out on the mic? I didn't say that. Take that part off the tape, Whitley. Take that part off. Erase that part off the tape. But what happens is that it's not a person. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's a substance. Because you can't do anything about it when it happens. That's why it's 3 o'clock in the morning and that, that feeling. And then before you know it, that feeling has overtaken you and now you're in front of a computer. There's a feeling that comes alongside of you where God tells you, here's the plan that I have for you. I'm so excited. And God begins to show you and reveal you, but there's a feeling, slavery, it's dominance, that there's a feeling that you're just like, I can never do that. I will never do that. I'm a failure. I'm a mess up. I screwed up so bad that there's no way. And there's this bondage that's over you that this feeling begins to show you and to teach you and to move you in whatever way it wants you to move into. Yo, you're a slave. Watch this. Look at what the Bible says. In, um, somewhere in the Bible, in John chapter 8, <laughs> in John chapter 8, verses 34 through 36, in the message, it says, Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped. Everybody say trapped. Trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient. He can't come and go at his will or their will. The son, though, has established position, the run of the house. So if the son has set you free, then you are free through and through. There's freedom available to us. But if we, if we identify with this, then a lot of us, you can honestly say this word. Sometimes you just feel trapped. Like you can't escape this thing. It's just, man, once, it, once I feel it, I just, I got to have the drink. Or I got to have the smoke. Oh, I got to say the words. And today I want to let you know that there's freedom available to you. Number one, yo, they, they told them you're going to be slaves and I, I, I want you to make bricks. And they had them bondaged because they were trying to kill them. But then he takes it a step further. The Pharaoh orders every child. And I remember speaking about this a couple of weeks ago. If you were either at Greater or if you were here at OPC, we, we, here's the word. The Bible says that he took every child that was all over the place. And he told all the midwives, when a child is born, if that child is a male, I want you to kill it. The midwives said, we don't want to do that. So what he said was, take every soldier and every child who was two years old or under, I want you to kill it. And I want you to understand what he was doing in that moment was that he was killing the potential of the children of Israel. What he wanted to do is that I want to stop the lineage. I want to stop your legacy right here. So I'm going to destroy every one of your kids 
because I don't want you to move forward anymore. And yo, in our life, that's, this is not a political statement, but I can promise you that you can see that children are not, nobody is attacked more in our nation than children. Music is not targeted toward adults, targeted toward children. Our TVs, the shows that we watch, a majority of the focus groups are all, how can we get the next generation? Yo, when you start seeing that there's kids on TV doing things that adults, I remember when I was coming up, you ain't seen no little kid curse on the TV. Now kids are smoking. And they're getting high. And there's shows that are based around what's happening in middle schools. But here's, listen, what I want you to explain, what I want to uh, help you to understand is that the devil's trying to kill our potential. Because if these young people actually begin to believe the gospel, nobody preaches harder than a kid. Nobody believes the gospel than a kid. A kid will go inside of a kid's room and hear, there is a real hell. And if you're far from Jesus, you're going to go to hell. Guess what he's going to do when he goes home? Mom, you're going to hell. You need to come to church. Dad, you're going to hell. He will go to his teachers. And in school, Jimmy, you're going, you're going to hell for real. I don't know if there's hope for you. Jimmy, you too. Like no kid, I mean a young kid preaches and screams at the top of his lungs. So why would not the enemy try to kill every one of us? But yo, bigger than that, your own potential. When, when the enemy can remove your potential and tell you because you did X, Y, and Z, you can never do this. All of a sudden you use this word. It's this word lost. And you're just getting up early in the morning and going to work, eating your lunch, coming home, reading your Bible, watching your 14 episodes on Netflix going to sleep and doing it again. And you just feel lost. It's like, yo, what purpose? What's your purpose? I don't know. I'm just, and it just, you just feel lost. And the enemy, when you don't have Jesus, he will put you on this cycle where you won't know where to go. And it's like, do I go to Muhammad? Do I go to Jesus? Do I go to, do I go to, uh, uh, what, what her name, Cleo? Call me now. What, what do I do? Like, like some of y'all remember calling. What do I do? And you're lost. I want you to make bricks. I'm going to kill all of your potential. And then I want to get to a point where what we would do is that you would get up at sunrise and until sunset, you would work about 12 hours, sometimes 13, 14 hours. But when you got up to go to work, there was these bales of straw that was there. And these bales of straw, what they were meant for them to do is to be able to mix up all the stuff, to be able to make the, 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 the clay so that they can make the cement and do all of that stuff. But what the Pharaoh said is that not only am I going to make you a slave, kill your potential and make you lost. But now I'm no longer bringing you the straw. You need to get up even earlier and you need to go find your own straw. And that's what he did to the children of Israel. So we, he was extending their days. Don't it feel like sometimes that's our life? Like, yo, sometimes it's just exhausting. And it's like one thing after another. If it's not work, some of my ladies, you can agree with this so much more because my wife is this person. But I mean, you, you work all day. And then you got to come home and you got to work again. And then his underwears are in the room. Pick your underwears up, bro. Put the towel back on the right. Ladies, stop. Don't amen too hard. Don't amen too hard. You make it uncomfortable. Stop. But it feels like you're just working. But when you don't have Jesus, yo, sometimes that feels unending and you're just exhausted. And it's like, is it COVID today? Is it the monkeypox? What am I supposed to be scared about today? Let me know, because I need, which fear do I need to wake up in the morning and have? What's, what Twitter is going to tell me that I need to do? Do I wear a mask? Do I wear a hazmat suit? Like, what do I do? Do I vaccine? Do I get the chip in my eye? Whatever you need, let's go, let's do it. 
And sometimes it could just feel exhausting. And you're carrying this weight. You're already bound by slavery. You keep going back to the same thing over and over. And you might get freedom for a month or two, but then you go right back to it. You feel like your potential, like you're lost. Like you're just getting up every single day to do the same thing and it's just routine. But then after a while, oh, this is, I'm just tired. And that's the reason why in our nation, 1.27 million people have attempted suicide just this year. That's why out of all of those Close to 50,000 of them have already lost their life to suicide today because people just feel exhausted. I, I've given you the, the dark side, right? How did we get here? How, maybe you're feeling with that and you're identified and you listen to me. Today, there's a promise available to you. But how do we get to this place? I, I drive sometimes and I got to I don't know, man. I get an automatic. Y'all ever pull up to your house and you're like, how did I get here? Did I kill somebody? Like, what just happened? You ever done that? You know what I mean? You pull up to the house and you're like, what just, what just happened? And you're, you're so lost in thought, you're just driving like a zombie. And that's life. Sometimes you're going through the motions. And man, sometimes it's, issues the way that you get there usually it's two things it's something that happened to you that you haven't dealt with and you just kept and it, it begins to compound and it was a cigarette and there was a little bit of Budweiser then it was some weed and then it was sex and then it was this and then it was that and before you know it you just man I just just compounding and it just feels like it's on top of us and and you don't even know how you got here sometimes it's something that happens sometimes it's someone and somebody did something to you where you were on fire maybe and you were, you were ready to give your life to Jesus. Or, and somebody did something where they broke you so bad because they maybe sat on a seat next to you. Or maybe they were holding a microphone and they said some stuff that they hurt you. And when you think of Christians, you're like, yo, I want nothing to do with that. I don't want anything to do with religion because it has hurt me and it has broken me so far that I feel like I've walked away from God. And maybe you're here because somebody did something to you that gave you a bad interpretation of who Jesus is. Humans are humans. Whether it was something or it was someone that did this to you, there's a way for you to get out of this thing. How do you get out? How do you no longer have to live in, in slavery? How do you no longer have to live trapped? How do you no longer have to live lost? And how do you no longer have to live in this space where you just feel like I'm exhausted and overwhelmed? I want to give you the secret. This is what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 10 verse 9, it's going to come up on the screens. There is salvation that is available to you. Remember, God wants to save you from being in this space of slavery, of being trapped. He wants to save you from this space of feeling like you're lost and like you're overwhelmed. God wants to save you. And here is the way that it happens. Simple. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to get on a church roll. You don't have to walk up to an altar. You don't have to pay your tithes. Please pay your tithes. You don't have to do any of those things. For you to receive this promise of salvation, you literally just have to confess with your mouth. That's prayer. And you have to believe in your heart. And you shall be born again. That God has this entire plan and it's so simple. It's so simple and we are so works oriented that we're thinking, I gotta, get, I gotta do something to be saved. No! God did that part already. That's why this Bible is so important. Because whenever you have these moments that for salvation to be real, the way that you receive it is the very same way you keep it. It's faith. Right? You got to believe that something happened. God, I'm a mess. 
Lord, you know what I've done. You know who I've done. Lord, I ask you to help me. Forgive me. I'm a mess, Lord, but I know that you can save me. Okay, I didn't get a white robe. My face didn't begin to shine like Moses. Something happened inside of me. And the way that I receive it and the way that I live that thing out is by faith. I have to believe that I am saved. And what does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why the Bible is so important that you pull these, these minds out and you pull out these incredible promises that begin to remind you you're saved. Because some of y'all will listen to the next preacher on YouTube and begin to question your own salvation. Mm, I'm not reading my Bible as much as him. Mm, I'm not praying as much as them and I'm not saved. Your salvation had nothing to do with you. It was given by grace. It's about your position, not your performance. God is the one in charge of it. But I want to tell you something. I want you to understand this very clearly. That grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not opposed to effort, to you trying. Grace is opposed to earning. There are some things that you should do when you receive Jesus. When this free gift comes into your life of salvation, there are some things that you should be doing. One of them, Three things real quick, and I'm going to wrap this thing out. One of them is that you, you need to turn away. You need to repent. That there is something that happens when you're walking this way, and you're doing stuff, and you know what I'm saying? You're partying every day, and you're doing, you know, the hokey pokey and all that stuff. And, you know, on Saturdays, you're going in Jesus' name. Not in Jesus' name, but you know what I mean? And then something happens where you're walking this way, and it's not only just a physical sense, but it's a mental sense that you say, I can no longer sleep with you. I have to walk back towards Jesus. I, I want to walk towards him. I can no longer keep, hey, I can't drink with you anymore. I can't smoke with you anymore. I can't hang out with you anymore. I can't keep sitting here and gossiping about everybody with you anymore. I, I got to walk and I got to turn around. I got to repent and I got to start walking towards God. That takes work on your behalf. God's not going to do that for you. You have to do that one on your own. So there has to be a moment where you repent, but there also has to be a moment, watch this, the prophet um, in the scriptures, I think it was in the book of Hezekiah, she said, let it go, let it go, na, 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 I don't remember the rest of it. I feel like now it's like, yeah, now it's like, mm, talk about Bruno, I like Bruno, Bruno was a prophet, Bruno was a prophet, he told you about your behind, that's why you didn't like him, I don't want to talk to Bruno, I want to talk to Bruno, Bruno, I need Bruno in this church. <laughs> But you got to, there are some things, this is the, the Christian word is surrender. There are some things, sometimes for us, the surrender part is easy because you're like, I put everything down. I give it all. You got to surrender your kids and your family. You got to stop waking up in the morning and being so fearful that your entire 75% of your prayers are, Lord, protect my kids, Lord. And you pray for them from the classrooms that you, I mean, just everything. And you got to surrender and believe, okay, God, I know that you got them better than I can. And I trust you, God. Whatever you do to teach them to be men and women of God, I trust you with it. But you got to surrender that. Some of y'all, you've been working 24 hours a week. I mean, a day. That's hard. Some of y'all been working 16, 18 hours, and you're trying to build this leg. Nobody told you to do that. Your parents didn't have enough money. They were poor, right? So you said to yourself, I'm never going to be poor. I'm going to make sure my family has all the money in the world. And you're working and overworking yourself where you're giving them all the money that they have, but you're not spending any time with them. There's such a relationship gap between you and your children and even you and your spouse right now where sin can get in the middle of that thing and begin to sever it because you're just working too much. You're just doing way too much. Would you surrender and allow for God to take that? You, you got to let it go. There, there has to be these moments in your own personal life where you come to a conclusion.
that says, yo, how do I get out of this space? I got here because life happened. How do I get out of here? Well, number one, I got to repent. I, I give my life to Jesus. He got me out. Then I got to repent. Then I got to surrender. Then I got to get to a place where I understand that it's not about having a religion. It's about having a relationship with Jesus, right? That we don't read the Bible because we want to have a relationship with Jesus. We read the Bible because we have a relationship with Jesus. We come to church not because we need to receive God's love again, but we come to church out of God's love. We don't give of our, of our finances because we need a blessing. We give of our finances because he's blessed us so much. And when something flips inside of you that you're not trying to earn anything, remember grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. But when you understand that, yo, I don't need to earn this because this is what Christians do outside of if you haven't called on the name of Jesus I'm still talking to you but I want to talk to Christians for just a second because yo we're the same thing and I'm gonna talk about this next week we do the same thing we sin against God and we do something wrong fill in the blank I don't know what your sin is or what you did but the moment that we sin we feel like we have to pay God back so he can like us again so we say okay I'm gonna read five chapters of the Bible this week this week I'm gonna go to church early 10 30 bro I'm there at 10 27 I'm going to sing all the songs. Literally, I'm going to close my eyes and I'm, every song I'm going to sing my eyes. Even if the sound was blaring and we blew out a speaker last week, I'm going to sing. The lights are in my face. Oh, God. We're going to fix the lights. I promise. Don't worry about it. We're going to fix that. We, it's day two, y'all. Y'all love us. This is therapy up here. But I'm going to close my eyes and I'm going I'm to really sing uh, this time. Yo, when does God start loving you again? He started loving you at the moment that you confessed with your mouth. You prayed and you believed in your heart. Faith, that's where he loves you. You don't have to keep going on this bartering back and forth with God. You, you got to repent. You got to walk away. You got to surrender. You got to let some stuff go. But then you got to get to a place where it becomes a relationship. When I don't have to read the Bible so God can be good with me. And you know, I'm, a, I'm guilty of that. You know how many times I've thought something happened to me bad? That's because I didn't pray to him. You know how many times I've sat in the front of an altar about to grab a microphone? And I've begged God, oh my God, Lord, I'm so sorry. I messed up this morning. I didn't pray. I didn't, oh my God, I've been going so hard and I've been trying to do everything for you. Lord, I'm so sorry. Please don't let me get up there and look like an idiot. Let your spirit please fill me. Y'all, his child, he's already inside of me. That doesn't excuse the fact that I shouldn't pray, but that shouldn't negate the fact that God can still use me even if I didn't. My life is a testament of everything that you've seen here. Because for you to experience the next three promises that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks, the promise of deliverance, of redemption, of fulfillment, this one is the key one. This is the one that I needed in my own personal life because I was always performance-based. My mom, who you saw, and I told you the story about her, when my mom stepped out of the, the street pharmaceutical business, <laughs> she decided that she was going to go to work and at 7 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, she would make me a plate of food, put it in the microwave, and she would go to work. And like many of us, we were latch keys. We had a little string around, and we lost the key every month. And we would have to tell the owner. Y'all remember going to the apartment building and having to tell us, I'm sorry, I lost the key again. That was my life when I was 5 years old. My mom wouldn't come home 11, 12 at night. Sometimes she wouldn't come back till 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes she wouldn't come back to the next day because she was still in her mess figuring her life out. Well, that led me to a space when I was five years old that by the time I was eight years old, I joined the gang because my neighborhood was so gang infested in Miami at the time in the early 80s that I found myself trying to be like everybody else. And then I got involved in a gang. 
I got kicked out of two schools when I was eight years old. I got arrested two times when I was eight years old. So my life was an absolute disaster by the time I was 16 years old. I, have given, I had given my life so far to gangs. I was involved in so many things that I have been to jail nine different times. I had bullet holes in my body. My neck had been ripped open. I made some pretty dumb mistakes. At the age of 17 years old, I had a baby when I myself was a baby. When I was 19 years old, I had an understanding of who God was, but my mom, all we knew was witchcraft, brujeria. And so we knew saints, and we were all Catholic, and we knew to worship this certain saint for this money, to worship this certain saint for this thing, and I had an encounter with God where I needed him to save me so hard, it's so bad, that I said, I can't go to these guys. I, I, who's the top dog? And I remember that I kind of started learning about God and I opened up the book of Genesis. And by the time I got to the book of Leviticus, we, we were poor. So we didn't have lambs or sheep or any animals. All we had was some picadillo, some ground beef. And I remember grabbing it, going to my window. And I was like, God, I seen this in the Bible. I don't know what it means, but I'm asking you to save me and help me. And I was burning meat because I thought that's the way the Bible said it. But I didn't have a relationship with God. I was trying to be performance based. When I was 19 years old, I got into a gang fight and we received some pretty bad charges. 21 days into me being in there, the judge turned around and he told me, he offered me, he said, you got two choices here, Ramses. That's my real name. He said, number one is that you can take 90 years right now. Number two is that you can go to trial and if you lose, you're going to go to jail for the rest of your life. You figure it out. I was like, bro, I'm not good at math, but that doesn't make no sense. 90, I'm 19. Yo, hold on. I'm not going to live that long anyway. And I remember that that day I went back to my dorm. And under some statewide linen sheets, I remember having a conversation with God. I said, God, I try to do it my way. I, I've, I've made a mess of that. If I go home today, or if I stay here for 90 years, I need you to change me. I need you to help me. I don't understand this thing. And you know what happened to me? I believe in that moment. I confessed with my mouth and I believed. What happened is that nothing. I was crying like a little baby. I'm going to be in prison for the rest of my life. It was circumstance-based where I got saved. But in a room just like this, imagine that there's bunks on one side, bunk beds on another side, because jail people live in bunk beds. And then in the middle of it, there was a bunch of tables where people played cards and they ate. But in the back of the room, there was a plexiglass and inside of it, it was a small room with a TV in it and it was soundproof. The reason why that was soundproof is because that's where you watch sports and you can speak without bothering anybody who's around you. And if you were a Dolphin fan at that time, trust me, you were screaming loud and it wasn't because you were happy. And I remember sitting there and I walked in at 11 o'clock at night into a Bible study and they were talking about Jesus. And oh yeah, I remember him, he's the one on the cross. And they began to teach me the gospel and who Jesus was and how he lived a sinless life that I couldn't and how he died for my sins. And it wasn't that he died for me. He died as me. I should have been on that cross. And as they began to teach me, it wasn't that I heard about Jesus for the first time, but for the first time I, I saw it. And at the tender age of 19 years old, five months after that day, I began to lead that Bible study. I want to tell you that I went home and that the storm was over. No. I got sentenced to five years in prison. 
And for five years that I was in prison, God began to develop this evangelistic gift inside of me where I would go to the biggest drug dealers on the compound, the worst individuals, and I would have them crying as I sat there and I tell them my story, but then as I also began to tell them about the gospel of the Jesus that changed me. And as they began to see that, they started repenting. I would let them know that I was trapped in slavery. I was so lost, bro, I didn't know which way it was up. I thought I had to be what the music videos told me I needed to be. I didn't know who I was. I was so broken and so far, I was so exhausted. But in came of Jesus that under some statewide linen sheets, I just opened up my mouth and I dared to believe what he said. I turned away from my sins and I repented. No longer am I perfect. Ask my wife. I'm not perfect, bro. I'm not, not by a long shot. But I'm being perfected. I'm on the road and I'm learning. I made a decision to turn away and to start walking towards Jesus. And I got to a place where I let go of some of the things that I had in my life. I no longer want these things. I no longer want to be this person anymore. I want to be able to have Jesus in a real relationship. And the moment that I grabbed onto that, here it is. Oh my God, 30 almost years later, 31 years later, I identify as 30, so whatever. But it, I'm still preaching the same Jesus. I'm still so in love with the same Jesus. The one that rescued me from being a slave to sin. The one that gave me purpose and direction. I know where I'm going. I know what he wants me to do. And I got to a place where after I let go of everything and I turned around, now I have a relationship with him. He speaks to me. I listen to him and I obey him. Am I perfect? No. But I'm on the way. For some of us, for some of us who are in this place, as we listen to this story, we feel heavy. And for some of us, our hearts are beating because we're like, yo, why do I feel so nervous right now? Like, there's something inside of me. I want you to understand that the Bible says that it is the kindness of God that draws all men unto repentance, but it is His Spirit that draws men unto you. So it's not Nunzi playing an incredible piano creating an atmosphere. It's not a cleverly put together sermon. But it's that God has been chasing you for so long. He has been with you in those moments where you were so filled with sin and slavery and you felt trapped. In those moments where you didn't know where to go, he was right there with you just trying to draw you to himself. He got to a space where even though the enemy thought that he killed you and you were so exhausted where you wanted to kill yourself, the Lord was there just giving you a little bit more hope. Come on, you can do it. Come on, one more time, one more time to the point. That on August 21st, you walked into a church, you heard a gospel message, and today your life is going to be transformed because of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the day where salvation changes everything. He didn't forget about you. He wasn't mad at you. He's so madly in love with you that all he desires is to have a relationship with you. There's a promise of salvation available to you. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.